What's up, everybody? This is Powell to the People, the podcast. I'm your host, Tony Powell. Why am I having a podcast? What is it? What do I have to say? Well, as a father, middle-aged black man, child of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, concerned citizen, I got a lot on my mind. And this is the venue I decided to uh, express that. Who's Tony Powell? Comic nerd, sports junkie, politics junkie, pop culture fan. And where did I get all of that from? How did I become interested in all that stuff? The barbershop. Yeah, I know. I have my head shaved a lot, but uh, I was at the barbershop. And growing up as a kid, to me, the best conversations I ever heard weren't on TV. They weren't in some newsroom. They weren't on the radio. They were in the barbershop. Guys, all walks of life, just talking, lawyers, doctors, engineers, bus drivers, cab drivers, hustlers, pimps, you name it. They were there talking about the issues of the day with the same intelligence, the same insights, the same passion that you would see anywhere else. These conversations weren't recorded. I wish there was some sort of anthology that we could listen to, but since there isn't, I decided that I would create a podcast that would sort of fill that gap. I mean, they've tried to do it in Hollywood. They've they've uh, shown you some images of the barbershop, whether it's Eddie Murphy's hilarious coming to America or whether it's uh, Ice Cube's brilliant um, barbershop films. Even Steel Magnolias, you know, showing the salon. I mean, I you know, as a kid, I, my mom used to have to drag me to the salon, so I sat there and listened to women talk about things I had no clue about. In fact... I didn't know what Barry White could get it meant until I became much older, which made me feel a little uncomfortable thinking about my aunties and them thinking that Barry White could indeed get it. Um, but that, that's, that's what, that's what I learned. That's what I, that's what I, that's what I experienced growing up. And I said, man, if I could ever have those conversations, an environment where we could kind of broadcast it, we could just put it out, you know, and the only way to do it is to make them yourself. So here I am. Power to the people. So coming up, you're going to hear shows where I have sports debates. We're going to talk pop culture. We're going to talk music. You know, my son is a big hip-hop head. I'm going to bring his ass down here, and we're going to debate it. Um, comic book nerd, yep, I'm going to talk about the comics. I'm going to tell you about what I like, and I'm going to tell you about how I feel about these Marvel films, and I'm going to tell you about how I feel in the directions of comic books are going, and I'm going to get the experts to talk about them, too. Because the conversation is just not me, just not me bloviating and pontificating and mentally masturbating. It's going to be me and my experts, my peeps, Powell to the people, Powell to the peeps. That's what we're going to be doing. So you stay tuned. This morning, uh, this afternoon, I don't even know what time it is. I'm sitting in a studio, some basement, undisclosed location. Uh, we're going to be talking to Dr. John Gardner about the mental state of one Donald J. Trump. So you do not want to miss that. And we're back. We're back. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to take this time to introduce uh, our guest. Uh, Dr. John Gardner is a founding member of uh, Duty to Warn, an association of mental health professionals who advocate Trump's removal under the 25th Amendment based on the grounds that he is psychologically unfit to serve. Uh, and he's a member of the Duty to Warn organization. He's also uh, the one of the writers and one of the contributors of the New York Times bestseller, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, and his latest book, uh, Rocket Man, Nuclear Madness and the Mind of Donald Trump. 
Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Dr. John Gardner. Hey, Dr. John, how you doing? Very good. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Not a problem. I, as I as I mentioned to you earlier, uh, I had heard you on Sirius, uh, uh, one of the shows on Sirius, Sirius Progress, and I said to myself, I said, I've got to get this guy on because, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us in this country, I mean, I don't know yeah. how you felt uh, 2016, the day after mm-hmm. Election Day, or as I call it, White, two, White Wednesday, uh, mm-hmm. you know, cause, you know, everybody in the Klan outfit was like, you know, celebrating and roasting marshmallows over the cross. Uh, I thought, man, how did this happen? How did we get here? I mean, I know. what did we see? What, 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 how, how did we get here in your opinion? Well, it was a perfect storm. Obviously there were so many factors, you know, from uh, Comey's uh, last minute announcement to, but I think the real story, as far as the election is concerned, is twofold. One, I think the, we cannot underestimate the role of Russian interference. Okay. Um, we were attacked. We were attacked like we were attacked at Pearl Harbor, like we were attacked at 9-11, except this was a cyber attack on our elections. The difference is, is that uh, it was also in part an inside job, that the person who benefited from the hacking, who won the election, um, there's absolutely no question that he was in collaboration with the Russians. He's been part of the Russian uh, oligarchy for 20 years. Right. Uh, he's part of the family. Uh, and so what I think people need to understand is we've been attacked, we've been, uh, and we've been occupied. That a Russian agent is in charge of our country, and he's doing everything he can to destroy it. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate. How do you how do you respond to people that say that's really hyperbolic? I mean, come on, you know, this that 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 can't possibly be true. Uh, where's the proof? Uh, and I hear this all the time, and 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 believe me when I, when I say it, I'm I'm a whole hog in there with you in, in what you just said, uh, and I've been saying it myself. But I mean, you know, for people who are are skeptical, how do you make that case? Well, one of the things that's really uh, tragic and is part of the other factor that allowed this election to happen is the rise of misinformation. Okay, that we now have uh, places like Fox News or uh, Breitbart. Uh, and also your own Facebook feed, uh, where you're constantly hearing in an echo chamber lies or denials of truth that we can see with our own eyes, but you hear it enough and it, be- and it starts to become true. And this is one of the things that is really allowing Donald Trump to, uh, to enact a fascist takeover of this country, because he's delegitimized the legitimate press and elevated the, l- the nuclear fringe conspiracy press so that the fact that there's reams and reams of evidence. You don't have time in the show for me to go over all the evidence. That's okay. how much there is. There's something like 75 contacts between Trump, people in the Trump campaign in Russia uh, that they lied about and counting. Uh, you know, whether you're talking about Trump Tower meeting, the seashells. I mean, we just, you know, you'd have to do a whole show about Russia. It's overwhelming evidence. Even Donald Trump Jr. going, I love it. Give us information from Putin to, to, uh, to collude with to to uh, uh, hurt Hillary Clinton. And then they had all the senior people in the campaign uh, meet to take this uh, meeting, and lo and behold, then Russia, in fact, does what it did to help her, help him. So the problem is is that I think there is, this is what all great um, uh, fascist leaders do, which is they appeal to the majority population okay. and start to um, appe- start to. Um, pour gasoline on the fire of their resentments against the minority population. Right, they always need a boogeyman. 
exactly. So whether it's the Jews in Germany or the uh, the, the Tutsis in Rwanda right. or the um, you know the, the Muslims in in Yugoslavia, uh, they you pick a population, you label them enemies, dangerous foreigners, uh, and then you establish a reign of terror. And you talk them. about you talk about infestation, and that that makes them some sort of vermin that needs to be exterminated. You know, it's funny. Exactly. I, I, I just, not funny, but wow, it's funny in that sense. Exterminated. No, it's uh, uh, ironic um, that I actually saw recently someone had posted, speaking of social media, someone had posted the seven stages of a genocide. Mm-hmm. And if you read through the stages, you find that we're very close to seven. I mean, it was like 10 stages, but like we're at, we're at number seven. Is what I thought. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, people who uh, shy away from comparing Trump to Hitler, well, of course, he's not Hitler. Uh, and uh, but. The point is, is that he actually has the same. Uh, he's a member of the same uh, diagnostic category. Here's where we get into the psychology aspect. Okay. He has a diagnosis called malignant narcissism. Malignant narcissism is actually a diagnosis that was introduced by Eric Fromm, who himself was a refugee from Nazi Germany, to explain the psychology of Hitler and other dictators. Well, what what are the uh, what are the, what are these? How, okay, break it down. What what are the symptoms yes, I will. of malignant? Oh. So it has four components, narcissism, of course, but the other three components are even more toxic. It's paranoia, so all of his conspiracy theories and what we've been talking about, his demonization of the press, of of immigrants, of anyone who doesn't agree with him, and sociopathy. So So you're saying he's a sociopath. he, he, He is a sociopath. He meets the formal diagnostic criteria for a sociopath. He lies, he violates rules and norms, and he shows no remorse about it. This, this is the diagnostic criteria for, for sociopaths. And finally, he, he's a sadist. And that's the fourth component of malignant narcissism. And so what we see in this policy at the border is that it's a cruel policy, but that's not a bug. That's a feature. Uh, the cruelty is actually part of the enjoyment for Donald Trump. He actually enjoys uh, harming, torturing, and uh, subjugating people weaker than himself. I have to write an introduction to a book about his tweets. Uh, I had to read thousands of his tweets. He's written like 50,000 tweets, and virtually 100% of them are what I call boasting and bashing. You know, uh, I'm great and everyone else is a liar and a loser unless they kiss my ring. The fact that he would generate 50,000 tweets to try to denigrate everyone and anyone who doesn't kiss his ring shows the, the level of sadism, how driven it is. It's almost manically gleeful, well, the way I, in which he I, goes after people. Are malignant narcissists born or are they created? Well, it's a good question. I'm not sure we actually know the answer to that, but I can tell you this. We know that they are untreatable and that they are wholly uh, malevolent, destructive forces in any situation in which they exist. And so what the person who trained me was a famous psychoanalyst named Aldo Kernberg. He's the most famous person alive today in the study of malignant narcissism. What he used to tell us is once you've diagnosed a patient as having malignant narcissism, the most important thing you can do is run away. Well. So, so, you, so, but, but, how, okay. So he's a malignant narcissist, and you're saying this is an untreatable condition, not medication, not, not, not therapy. Right. Right. How do they function? How do they, how do they how are they able to function? How is he able to function at the level he's functioning at? Well, they function as predators. Uh, some predators are very successful, um, and actually, it actually the bad news is even worse because what Eric Fromm told us. You know, oh, no, please don't tell me the bad news is worse. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry it is. Uh, remember Eric Fromm? I mean, uh, everyone was expecting that he was going to pivot and become more presidential. Remember that? Right. Thinking. Well, Eric Fromm told us to expect the exact opposite. 
that malignant narcissists get worse over time, and especially dramatically worse if they achieve power, because then it inflames their narcissism and their paranoia and gives them a free hand to uh, sadistically destroy anyone who gets in their way. Uh, so this is, exa- in fact, what's happened. Uh, he has gotten worse. With so power. the idea of these parades and, 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 and the adulation and, and, and exactly. that he, he craves is, is, is feeding into, as you said, his worst in- instincts. Exactly. And, and, and Eric Fromm said that they start to verge towards psychosis, so that they start to have paranoid and grandiose delusional thinking. So, you know, what would I be an example of that size. that you've seen? Well, like saying, you know, I had the biggest crowd size. I won the popular vote because they shipped five million uh, immigrants, you know, to New Hampshire. I, I mean, this is just patently crazy or that Barack Obama bugged his offices. Uh, these are really verge on delusional thinking. The other component that's making him worse, I believe, is that he's showing signs of organic cognitive decline. If you look at interviews that he gave in the 1980s, uh, he spoke in polished paragraphs. Right. Uh, he used sophisticated vocabulary and uh, was very suave and, and um, it seemed quite, came off as quite educated. Now he can hardly finish a sentence without meandering into some irrelevancy. It's almost word salad. People don't even know what the sentence meant, much less whether it was true. No, there is a. I mean, I've watched. I mean, because you, you, they, they constantly show, uh, you know, some '80s interview or, or of him, uh, and he seemed much more, you know, articulate at, at that point. And now, you mm-hmm. know, he he's got, you know, he says, "I have the best words," but he never uses them. So I can't remember the words to America the Beautiful. Right. Uh, well, I don't that, know the words "America the Beautiful." So, I mean, I, I mean, you know, for any, anyone our age, and I'm, 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 you know, uh, we, 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 we were, we, you, that was an overlearned song, right? You know, that was something like the Pledge of Allegiance or something that you just sang over and over again, so that you had it deeply memorized. The fact that he's starting to lose memory for things like that suggests that there really is a substantial organic cognitive decline going on, and of course, that only goes in one direction. So, he's only going to get worse in that way as well. And then there's other two reasons that he's going to continue to get worse is the pressure of the Mueller investigation is clearly the stress of it is really provoking him towards acting out uh, in some just lashing out in some destructive way to reassert a sense of power. And finally, everyone was saying uh, the optimistic view that everyone had was, well, he'll have smart people around him who will restrain him and guide him. Well, in fact, he has systematically purged every uh, adult in the adult daycare center, which is what fascist leaders do. Stalin did it, Hitler did it. I mean, they get rid of all the people who actually can say no to them or have any expertise, and what they're left with are, um, you know, zealots and, and lackeys, uh, yes-men and opportunists, but people who are going to do nothing to oppose his will, no matter how insane. Okay, So, so let- you take those four factors, and he's getting worse, and we're in more and more danger, more and more risk of every kind of damage, but the one that I focused on in this book, Rocket Man, that we just published, uh, Rocket Man, Nuclear Madness in the Mind of Donald Trump, is that a lot of people don't realize he has unilateral authority to launch nuclear weapons. He can launch a full nuclear strike at any time for any reason, and there is not anyone who has um, any say over it other than him. Uh, so we are really in the most frightening possible situation. Uh, an impulsive, aggressive, paranoid madman has control of the nuclear button. He's threatening to use it, and there's no one who can stop him. So we have a malignant narcissist, and and, and 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 he's, as you said, he has the the nuclear football access to the nuclear football. He can order a strike. 
What is it, and, and this is the thing that I think I, I, I find just very difficult to process. What is the disconnect? Not, I, I, you know, I kind of knew Donald Trump was off his rocker when he was running. My, <laughs> right. my thing is, what was, what's, what's going on with the minds of the people that support him? He's a malignant narcissist. What, what's their excuse? I actually think this goes back to some very primitive, deep programming that actually predates uh, the Homo sapiens species. Are we talking about reptilian uh, brains? Well, I'm actually talking about um, primate brains. I'm talking about chimpanzee behavior. Uh, if you ever had a chance to watch that wonderful um, documentary about Jane Goodall. Oh, I love Jane Goodall. Uh, yeah. What she discovered is, uh, towards the end of her career, that big troop of apes that she had been following eventually split into two groups. And once they split into two groups, they started having uh, wars with each other. Uh, and the, the, the side that had a charismatic alpha male that led them to slaughter the males of the other side absorbed the territory and the females of that other side. So there's a deep set of programming in our brain that says, we better have an alpha male bully who's going to beat up the other group or else they're going to do it to us. So it's a matter of survival. And so what demagogues do is they activate that programming in a society that's already integrated. So Serbs and Croats got along fine in Yugoslavia. There were no problems. But Slobodan Milosevic got them to the point where the Serbs started to think that the Croats were their enemy and that they, to, to, to protect themselves, they had to attack the Croats. Same thing with the, the, the Tutsis and the Hutus. Right. They got along fine in Rwanda until the government started broadcasting on the radio, kill all the... Uh, the, the, the Tutsis. Uh, so th this actually happened, of course, Nazi Germany. Uh, the Jews, there was anti-Semitism, but the Jews were highly integrated in German society, especially at the higher levels. And yet you have someone who is able to, as you say, uh, demonize and dehumanize this uh, group and also make it seem as if they are a threat, an existential threat to the majority population. Right. And once they're able to convince people of that, then whatever solution you come up with to the Jewish problem uh, is justified. And so here's the problem that Trump, Trump is doing that, okay? And the problem is, is that he's activating that primitive programming in anxious white voters who know that they're going to be in the minority in 20 years and so feel like their territory is being encroached on, their survival is being threatened. And by activating that programming, they don't care that he's evil. They don't care that he's, that he's crazy because... It's survival for them. Right. Exactly. So uh, essentially when Donald Trump starts throwing his poop in the White House, we're all fucked is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I think he already is. Well, <laughs> I feel bad for the cleaning staff. <laughs> right. Well, I think we're all going to be cleaning up this mess for a long time. Oh, no, no. I, you know, and I think I think that's, the to me, the, the, the biggest shame of it all. Uh, you know, uh, the other day, I guess Kennedy resigns, and, yeah. and, and so now we get another stolen seat. Uh, I know. Uh, uh, which is just going to make life, you know, very, very difficult. You know, I mean, now, you know, as, as I'm middle-aged, I'm in my mid-50s, and I'm kind of saying, oh, boy. Um, I thought by this time we would not only have uh, the, you know, Jetsons-type flying cars, but, you know, we'd have a much better society, and it seems as though um, we are rolling, rolling back down a hill that that, that no one could have anticipated. I mean, no, was no one could, could someone have anticipated it, though? I mean... For me, uh, just watching as an observer, uh, you had, I mean, when Sarah, when they, when they, when they tossed Sarah Palin out there and said that she was uh -huh. capable of being the vice president, second in line of succession, 
Uh, that should have said to me, you know, and people got behind it and they, 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 they defended her and, and, uh, she was making fun of Obama for being a community organizer. This guy who was a, you know, Ivy League grad as, as yourself, uh, and, and, <laughs> you know, who's a constitutional law, law professor. Mm-hmm. But she's the one making fun of him who, and she went to like five different schools, uh, you know, including Apex Tech, I, I think at one point, you know, uh, right. to, to graduate. I think when the, that party decided that that was okay. And I think when that party decided that they wanted to have, uh, you know, the, the, the some sort of religious Christian, uh, fascist, uh, meld, um, I think that the, that the ingredients for this, this, this toxic soup that is Trump was already in the pot. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I think that the, uh, the, the hollowing out of the Republican Party, the, the, the Republican Party went from a party that really did stand for some ideals, uh, whether you agreed with them or not, uh, to a party that was just really nakedly trying to grab power in any way, uh, that it was grab power at all costs, the, the ends justify the means. I sort of see it beginning with the impeachment of Bill Clinton, to be honest. Right. You know, Hillary warned us that that was the result of a vast ring, right-wing conspiracy. I wrote a biography of Clinton, so I got really deep into the weeds of, of the impeachment without getting too bogged down in the details. She was right. It was a vast right-wing conspiracy. I mean, they they were investigating Whitewater for seven years and found nothing. Found nothing, right. And then they, they lucked on uh, Linda Tripp. Who tipped, who tipped them off to Monica Lewinsky, and then they found, oh, here's a way we can get him. We've been investigating him for seven years. It didn't work, but, oh, look what just fell into our laps. And then they created a perjury trap uh, to get him to lie about the affair because, of course, he didn't know they knew. And, yes, of course, he was lying about the affair. That's what people usually do when they have affairs. Right. Uh, so, 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 I mean, to, to, to call that high crimes and misdemeanors is, is really a perversion of – it's, 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 that's the beginning of subverting the Constitution for your own partisan ends. And it, and it was, uh, that I think became, we should have listened to Hillary. Instead, people made fun of her, by the way. When she said that about the vast right conspiracy, everyone made fun of her and thought she was paranoid. She was actually the canary in the coal mine and she was warning us. Well, what's if the we canary? Listened, right. What, what is, what is, what canary should we be watching now? Where's the canary now? Well, now it's out in the open. Okay. I mean, now it's a it's, now it's a full court press. I really believe at this point that the Republican Party is the largest uh, organ, organized crime organization on the planet. Uh, they are pure psychopaths. They are power at all costs. They have no morals, no conscience. Uh, they are purely amoral. Uh, they're a crime family. And at this point, we face an existential crisis in this country. It's really about certain. Is, are we going to be a democracy? Are our children going to grow up in the democracy we grew up in? Or are we going to go the way of so many democracies like Nazi Germany and become uh, a fascist country? This is really what's going to be on the ballot in 2018. Well, I'm going, I'm going, to, play, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you, Dr. John Gardner, because uh, I, I, I already know how people are going to respond to what you just said. I, and again, this is somebody who's agreeing with you. Um, and I do think that they're a crime family. I think that they're treasonous. And I think that, uh, Donald Trump is not the only one that's beholden to the Russians. I, I I'll say it. I'm right. going to put it out there. I think that Mitch McConnell and they may have some, some yep. pictures of, uh, of, of Paul Ryan that he didn't, wouldn't find too flattering, uh, out there because they're acting, they're acting like little bitches. They're exactly. acting like they're afraid to say something to this guy when everybody in the room can see that there's something wrong. 
Uh, but they don't want to say anything. So I think that they're all kind of compromised. And I, I remember when they hacked yeah. the DNC, they released everything they had. They hacked the RNC too, but they didn't keep, they didn't release anything. So if you're not yeah, releasing anything. That's very interesting. Right. right. So, so they didn't, they, they kept those secrets. So those secrets yeah. are still sitting there. So that's leverage. Exactly. Exactly. You're exactly right. And by the way, I don't know if many people remember this, but there was a taped conversation. Someone literally taped it where, uh, Paul Ryan and Kevin McCarthy and a bunch of Republicans were sitting there. I actually heard it. that tape. Yes. Yeah. And Kevin McCarthy said, you know, uh, Donald Trump gets money from Russia. People start laughing nervously. He says, no, I'm really not joking. I'm serious. He gets money from Russia. And so does Dana Rohrbach. And then uh, Paul Ryan turns to him and says, shh, we'll just keep that within the family. Right. And, and meanwhile, Paul, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell have gotten large donations from Russia, by the way. Uh, oh, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and – <laughs> You know, the, these are the, the, the dirty little secrets. Uh, you know, I, someone, uh, uh, was, uh, your, your colleague, your associate, uh, Mr. Arcana told me that you were down on the, uh, on the border. Uh, and I want, I certainly didn't want to uh, let you go before we got to, uh, talk about that with this, uh, the, uh, the imprisonment of these, these yeah. children. Uh, yeah. what can you tell us? Well, I, I wasn't on the border myself, but, um, I think that this component of sadism that we're talking about, uh, I've been writing about Donald Trump's sadism, and you can see it in his tweets, And but now we see the full flowering of it. Uh, you know, if we had not sort of essentially apprehended Trump in the act of this family separation policy, it was their intention to separate one or 200,000 kids from their parents. Wow. They were building out the camps in order, and, the, and they were separating like almost 100 a day, uh, and this was just going to go on indefinitely. Uh, and it, it, it doesn't break his heart. It actually gives him a kind of giddy, sick, perverse titillation. This is a sadist. This is, you know, you sometimes, as a Jew, I've said, how could people just kind of go along with, you know, all of this mass murder? How could they be okay with it? Well, there were some people who were just brainwashed. There were some people who were scared. But there were a few people who really enjoyed it. Uh, and those are the people they like to put in charge. And Donald Trump is one of those people. You need to understand that he is a human monster, that deep in the core of his soul, he is evil and black. Deep down in the dark recess of his soul. It's like the dark heart of darkness. He is fundamentally uh, evil. And, and so that was, uh, uh, and so you're getting right to, to, to the, I guess, the genesis of, of uh your organization uh, uh i'm going to talk about trumpspotting.com and 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 how and, and unfit to serve how did this coalition uh, come to be of, of you well, and other, other mental health uh, uh yeah it's, it's 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 really unprecedented um you know i put a petition online for mental health professionals soon after the inauguration uh and we got tens of thousands of mental health professionals coming forward this has never happened before there's never been an organized movement of mental health professionals trying to warn the public about a mentally disturbed uh, political leader, uh, certainly not an American political leader. And yet we had people on October 14th, we had meetings in 15 different cities. We had people, march, therapists marching in the streets. I can tell you, therapists don't march in the streets. Okay. <laughs> but they were, they were marching there. And, um, you know, then we, um, uh, now we're doing a documentary, hashtag unfit, which uh, you mentioned that, that, that there's a, a crowdfunding uh, site that people can go to to learn more about the movie. What is that crowdfunding site? So it's uh, hashtag unfit uh, crowdfunding dot com, uh, and we have a lot of information about the movie. We've got some sample videos that people can look at. Actually, as uh, I said to you earlier, I was actually on the site, and, and, and it is it's fascinating. And 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 as you said, to 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 hear uh, different mental health professionals 
uh, coming forward. But I, I remember a case. Uh, uh, I, don't remember if, I don't know if you remember the yeah, Terry Schiavo case. And mm-hmm. I, I think uh, Bill Frist was the doctor, and he was, I guess he was the uh, Senate Majority Leader at the time, and he uh, diagnosed her from afar. H- how do you respond to people that say, well, you're diagnosing this man from afar? How do you, how do you respond to people that, that question uh, um, the, the, the veracity of what you're saying? Well, there's two issues. One is ethical, whether we should speak up, and the other is, um, I guess, uh, scientific or professional, can we make a valid diagnosis right. without actually interviewing a patient? Um, so in terms of the ethical concern, uh, in our field, uh, saving a life trumps everything. Okay. So uh, if you think someone is actually in danger, you actually have, it's in our ethical code and it's actually in the law, we have a duty to warn people who might be at risk. Uh, so um, we're mandated reporters. So that would be true if we just had knew of one person that was at risk. Here, millions of people are at risk. So our duty to warn is a million times greater. Uh, so that's the ethical issue. Um, in terms of the scientific issue, the original Goldwater case was in 1964, and a magazine wrote a sort of um, libelous article about uh, Gold, Barry Goldwater. It really wasn't true. Right. Uh, and um, that magazine has since folded, and he sued them, and he, he won. Uh, and the American Psychiatric Association is a little bit embarrassed, and so they passed this rule. Uh, that people shouldn't comment on public figures they hadn't interviewed. Now, I actually talked to the person who was on that committee, the last living member, and he said it was never meant to be a blanket gag order on mental health professionals. But what they were concerned about is that this was um, in the 1960s. People were making, when Freudian psychology ruled the roost. And so these psychiatrists were saying things like he was a latent homosexual, he'd been scarred by his potty training, uh, things that were very speculative and they right. couldn't have possibly known without actually interviewing him. But beginning in 1980, the field made a major transition to a new diagnostic system, the DSM, or Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. And the entire rationale of the DSM is that every diagnosis should be based on observable behaviors. So that all the criteria are based on behaviors that I can observe and that you can observe. Well, we have observed enough behavior from Donald Trump, both on TV and his tweets, and also we have informants. That's another way we can also establish whether someone has performed certain behaviors as people that know them. Does he do that? Does he right. behave that way? And so in this case, we have reams of data. I have a hundred times more data about Donald Trump than all my patients put together because I can't follow them around and watch everything they say, read all their tweets, and talk to everyone they know. Um, so we have this observable criteria. For example, we talked about sociopathy, um, the diagnostic criteria, that, uh, a pervasive pattern of lying. I don't know. Does he have a pervasive pattern of lying? Well, if you're asking me, you know, the answer is yes. Well, I don't have to ask you. I can ask the Washington Post or PolitiFact or Politico. They've actually been counting his lies. He he lies with something like 10 lies a day. Uh, So that's a fact. That's just a fact. It's not an opinion. It's not a partisan issue. He lies. And so that's... that's, That could be true of a used car salesman, too, though, couldn't it? Well, there's a lot of antisocial used car salesmen, in case you hadn't noticed. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we, so we know that he meets these criteria is the point. So we know that he has these, that, that he has these disorders. We know, and what the public doesn't know is how dire a situation that is. That as mental health professionals, we have some added window into the depth of the danger that people are in, given the severe psychopathology that he has. Okay, just want to uh, give another shout out. We're talking to Dr. John Gardner, uh, associate professor of psychiatry at Johns Hopkins, correct? 
Uh, actually, I um, don't teach at Hopkins anymore. I taught there for 28 years, but I retired from Hopkins. Okay. So, so, and the reason I'm saying that is, is again, as people listen, they'll go, well, who is he and where did he go to school? Come on. It's John Hopkins. John Hopkins, people, I mean, you know, and, and it's, you know, and, 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 and a Princeton grad, correct? Correct. So, I mean, we're not talking about some, some guy who uh, got his degree because he was able to draw spink, uh, Binky on the back of a matchbook. We're talking about someone who's put the time in, and you're talking about other professionals who have put the time in, and you're talking about men of letters, men and women of letters, uh, uh, who are all coming to the same conclusions. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's in, you know, in the book that we published, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, it's a group of very eminent, 24 eminent mental health professionals. But here's another point. Someone asked me this in an earlier interview, and I thought it was an interesting point. They said, well, how many of your colleagues agree with you? And I said, you know, what's interesting is the big debate in our field is about whether we should or shouldn't tell the truth. There isn't really a debate about what the truth is. So this consensus is. That, 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 that he is a, a malignant narcissist, there's consensus that he is a sociopath, there's consensus, and, and the only issue is whether or not you should reveal this to the American people. As, 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 exactly. As professional ethics d- demands that you should or should not uh, reveal this to the American Precisely. people. Precisely. Okay. Wow. Uh, well, you know, you just kind of ruined everybody's day now. Um, so so, so we'll, well, we're going to be sitting around and everybody's going to be curled up in the fetal position now because, and, 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 well, it's Friday, so we can all get drunk and just try to forget what you just said. <laughs> Uh, knowing that uh, at any moment uh, the 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 uh, the alarms can go off and 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 we can start watching the uh, the exhaust plumes of of multiple ICBMs yeah. going off, it is really 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 uh, fascinating and frightening and scary all at the same time. Um, how can people find you? Uh, yeah, so um, well, uh, our organization Duty to Warn. Uh, we our website is a duty to warn dot org. We also have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. Um, so, uh, yeah, please, please, uh, get in touch. Thank you so much, Dr. John Gardner. We certainly appreciate you coming on and talking to us and, and, and informing us and, and, and putting us, I guess, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you have to give things a name. You have to, you have to give exactly. things a name in order for people to kind of process and deal with it. I mean, you know, I, I hear the cult of personality. I hear Trumpism. Um, um, what is Trumpism? Um, it's, 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 I, I guess this, this, this cognitive dissonance that, that, look at me trying to talk to the psychologist. (laughs) Uh, it's this, this, this disconnect, uh, uh, from people, you know, reality. You know, I had a, I had a conversation the other day about, you know, with someone and I said to them, you know, um, two people are having a conversation. One person says, you know what? I love sunrises. I think they're the most beautiful thing in the world. Another person says, I can't stand sunrises. Well, that's fine, provided that both people agree that the sun rises. You yeah. know, we're, we're entitled to, to, to have a different take on, 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 on how we perceive them. But yeah. we're, we're in a, in a situation now where we don't even see the same things. We don't even agree to the same sets of facts. So how does that yeah. break through? It's a, it's very dangerous and it's, um, we've never been here before. Uh, and actually, all of the great uh, dictators have, as one of the levers of power that they've always controlled, is controlling information, right? So in, in Russia, it's Pravda, right? There's only state-run TV. In North Korea, only state-run TV. Uh, we now have state-run TV. It's called Fox. Okay. Uh, and 35% of the country watch it. 
And so they are living in an alternate reality where the truth is whatever Donald Trump says it is, uh, no matter how discrepant it is from the facts. And this is very, very, very dangerous. And I don't know if um, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Um, I do believe that the truth will ultimately win out. But how dark things will get before we get to that point, I'm not sure. I know you mentioned Kennedy's seat. Uh, I've been very depressed about it. You know, I'm 60 years old. I believe that uh, at this point, uh, I will not see, kind of like when Martin Luther King said, I, I may not get there with you. Right. I don't think, I don't think I'm going to live to see the end of Trumpism, because now the Supreme Court is going to be a, a Trumpist Supreme Court. So um, I, I just have to hope that my children get to experience the democracy that I grew up in, but I may not get to see it again. So you, so it, that that sounds very defeatist. Uh, there, there is no way to combat this. Oh, I'm not. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna believe me. This is the hill I'm gonna die on. Okay. <laughs> so what, what? I'm not so, gonna stop fighting until I'm dead. So what can my listeners do? What, 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 what can we? You know, after after they finish listening to this podcast and they and they they get their next latte uh, before they listen to the next podcast, what can they do? You know, what do they do? The 2018 election is do or die. Uh, it's not just a matter of needing to go and vote. You need to give money. You need to make sure that everyone you know votes. You need to be dragging people to the polls like our lives depended on it because they do. Okay. Well, on that note, Dr. John Gardner, thank you so much for uh, coming on. And well, we'd love to have you back at some, some future day. Anytime. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening to episode one. Uh, I want to thank once again Dr. John Gardner for his uh, insights on, on the president. And I want to let you know that episode two will not only feature this power, but four powers. It will be powers to the people. Subscribe and power to the people. Uh, and go to the OG Network and uh, keep an eye out.